Welcome to Trina Talk. This is the podcast where guests share their stories of pursuing their passions, living a fulfilled life, and empowering others. Each week, I talk with inspiring leaders, business owners, and people with amazing stories from around the world in unscripted conversations as they share their successes and failures. This podcast is all about empowering you to keep striving in your personal and professional life. I am your host, Trina L. Martin. Hey, welcome to another episode. If you're listening, go ahead and go out and subscribe so that you won't miss any future episodes. Also, if you like the show, give us a five-star review That way we can move up in the rankings and other people can find the show and be impacted and inspired just like you. My guest this week is Maureen Ross Jim. Maureen is the CEO of Emerge Leadership Academy. She is a motorcycle riding grandmother and a personal growth advocate. Maureen trains and coaches leaders who want to make an impact. Hi, Maureen. Welcome to Trina Talk. Hi, Trina. I'm delighted to be here. How are you doing? I'm doing great. You know, for the listeners out there, um, I was on Maureen's podcast, Evolve, Emerge, Evolve, and Lead, a few weeks back. And now her story was so interesting to me that I had to have her on Trina Talk. So how I like to start off the show is I ask all my guests to tell the listeners who you are and how you became the Maureen that you are today. Oh my. Okay. In like one minute or less. No, (laughs) one hour or less. Um, Yeah. Thank you. I am. Well, I just, I often introduce myself as a corporate girl uh, now entrepreneur. So I had a corporate career for 30 years and now I have had my own business for about eight years called Emerge Leadership Academy, and I train leaders on how to step up in their career, how to be better leaders, and also um, just really dig deeper and do personal growth and development so that they can then develop others more fully and roundly, as we um, as we say. Uh, but my past uh, really made me who I am today, which is a motorcycle ride and grandmother, <laughs> personal growth sort of expert and personality expert, which I hope we're going to talk a little bit about today. Um, but I started off, you know, kind of a rocky uh, beginnings where I was a, a drug addict and an alcoholic in my teenage years and into my 20s. And I got clean and sober 36 years ago when I was 24. And that was um, actually 37, 37 years now. Jeez, I don't want to say I'm old because I still feel super young. But that's because I have learned to live life to the fullest using and feeling all my feelings without having to escape with drugs and alcohol, which is what I did, you know, all those those years. So because of that, I know what hell on earth is. (laughs) I just been there. I think we all have a story and we all have been through some of that hell before you can awaken and, and, and understand a little bit more about who you are and, and why you're here on the planet. But that's what happened to me. So I had like a major transformation in my twenties. And then I had this like incredible corporate career and I'm in a great relationship and now, I can tell you all the great things, but there's been a lot of ups and downs along the way for sure. Oh, yeah. I mean, and that's what I, I love about your story and admire about you because you had some hard knocks starting out, but you've changed at and turned everything around to be the successful woman that you are today in your business. You have a podcast. And what I really wanted to touch on is you are a personality expert. And that has just piqued my curiosity because I've always wondered, like, what is that and, and how do you go about that? So tell, tell the listeners about being a personality expert. Okay, well, a little bit of um, backstory, because when you first get any kind of clean and sober, like when I first started trying to figure out who I was, 
I mean, I had to sort of really look at, well, what are my beliefs about myself? Who am I? And what do I want people? Who do I want people to think I am? You know, how am I? How am I going to be in the world? And sometimes I realized we're just being the way we were told to be. You know, my mother told me where to go and what to do. My parents, I should say, and and how to be. I was number three of six children born in like within eight and a half years, right? Which is pretty Irish Catholic. There's no other word for it. That's what we do. And I had to break away from the pack and figure out who I was, which I tried to do through drugs and alcohol. But then um, when I got clean and sober, I had no idea. I, I didn't know who the hell I was going to be without that substance use. And I thought, what the heck do sober people do? Like play bingo or <laughs> bowl? You know, yes, we do. We do both. And we do a hundred million more things. But the thing is, um, I had to look at who I was. And if I was lost at first. I really didn't know. I had to break down. I could tell you who I was not, who I never wanted to be and, you know, and all that. But again, I really didn't think I would end up in working in an insurance company, you know, for 30 years, like I would never have guessed that 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 would have happened. But I ended up having 13 jobs within those 30 years. And that means pretty much every other year I was growing or changing. I was moving on to something else. I started working there when I was 26 and I just kept morphing and growing. And and then in my 40s, I went back to um, college and I got my I got my undergrad in psychology because I was so interested in human behavior. What makes people do the things that they do and how to how can we get them to change, which is what we do. It's, you know, as a coach, as a trainer, we try to help people to change their behaviors to make their life better, to change and expand and grow. And so along those lines, I got really involved in the Myers-Briggs type indicator personality profile all in my, well, I would say my 20s and my 30s. And then in my 40s, I really got involved in the Enneagram, which is another personality type indicator. It's a ancient Sufi oral tradition. And it was sort of adopted, if you will, by like these Franciscan monks and Catholic priests and, you know, Jesuit Catholicism. And what what they did was they made it, they started writing books and studying it and they wrote everything down. So it's not just an oral tradition anymore, but it sort of came into the world in like the fifties, you know, a bunch of years ago. So I started studying that, which was really cool, really uh, complex and integrated. And then in my fifties, I got into everything disc. Now this is what I do teach on. I am a authorized partner for Wiley and Sons, Everything Disc. I don't know if you've heard of Wiley and Sons, but they're a publishing company who basically have an education arm. Yeah. So I learned all about how to educate people to understand the four basic types of personalities, because when you do, you can improve all your relationships at work. And that's why it's so fun. So that's the sort of the background of how I really got into it. And now I just teach it as often as I possibly can because it's simple. And when you know what you know, you not only own who you are just a little bit more, but you also can blend and expand by understanding other people in the workplace as well. So that the people that push your buttons and really make you crazy sometimes, (laughs) you can understand a little bit better that maybe it's just a personality difference and it's okay. You don't have to take it personal. You know, that's very interesting because last year I took a personality um, trait, one of those uh, assessments. Assessments. Yeah. And I can't remember which one it was, but it was funny because the person who actually read it and it was explaining things to me they were like yeah you're kind of balancing all four quadrants and but you know you're you really shouldn't do this type of work because that really was not your thing and I'm thinking you're right (laughs) that's why um yeah Yeah. so it's very interesting and I know my business coach she says 
before she hires someone, she gives them a s- assessment so that she knows where they are. And like you were saying that on a certain day, if they're not acting, you know, like they acted yesterday, she knows, okay, yeah, that's, you know, this thing that's this person um, gravitates to. So I'm very um, intrigued by it. So how does that play in not only business-wise, but your personal life? And how can you how can you use that to your advantage and to help you grow? Yeah, well, a personality, uh, when, it, when you know where your personality, what your preferences are, because that's really all it is, there are certain preferences that we all have. Um, so how about this? How about if we, I would like to ask you a couple of questions so we can figure out where you are, and then maybe I can explain a little bit about each of the four quadrants, but I will share with you a little bit about who I think you are based on what you questions you've answered and what little I know about you. And then you can see if that fits you or not. And then we'll talk about how you can use it to, to really improve your relationships. Okay, great. So the first question that I usually ask everybody is, um, and this is everybody sometimes is one way and sometimes the other way, but most of the time, would you consider yourself more fast paced and outgoing or more cautious and reflective, like more than 50% of the time? Um, I'm cautious. You know, even just the fact that you had to sort of think about that Mm -hmm. tells me that you're probably more cautious and reflective (laughs) and maybe even an introvert because you process internally. Does that make sense, right? Like a fast-paced and outgoing person would have immediately answered that question because they know. They right. know this about themselves. They never shut up. They're always told to listen and be quiet. <laughs> yeah, that's not me. <laughs> right? So you're more cautious and reflective. And that doesn't mean you can't be fast-paced and outgoing because, like, for example, when you are an expert in something, you will get right up there and talk about it and tell people, you know, you can be directive and that sort of thing. So the second question is, um, are you more, do you find yourself more, when it comes to people now, more warm and accepting or questioning and skeptical when you first meet people? Questioning and skeptical. Questioning and skeptical. Mm -hmm. So you may not trust people right away with um, divulging who you are. You're probably a very private person. So it's interesting because the personality type that tells me that you more likely follow the preferences of um, is the conscientiousness style. And this style is more cautious and reflective and questioning and skeptical. And this is the type of person that is uh, very conscientious, of course. Then you also have analytical and reasoning Um, They are great with systems and processes and making sure that those things are followed all the time, that everything is in its right place and in order and in sequence and all of that. Um, The C's are very, that's what, you know, just short for conscientiousness. The C's are very um, accurate and quality conscious, very quality focused. They double check things all the time. They don't like, don't be raising deadlines on me. You told me I had till Friday. Don't come to me on Wednesday and say, can you have it Thursday morning? Like that's not fair. And so there's this need to make sure, double check, have enough time. Um, But they love a really good challenge Um, They also are super objective in nature, not very emotional. Nobody Mm -hmm. sees a lot of their emotions. They hide that sort of thing. And, um, but also um, stable. They like a stable environment. Don't give me chaos and too many things going on at once. And they like more working alone. Mm -hmm. Does that describe a little bit of who you are? That's me to a T. (laughs) And so- So that means that you're probably great in the IT profession. Am I right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I actually started off in IT and I was a communications consultant for a while in IT. And I just, it wasn't for me at all. Mm -hmm. Like I want to break out of the box. I'm um, much, I'm actually the opposite of the C on this little map. 
So would you like for me to maybe explain each of the four types so your listeners can sort of understand which one they identify with most, and then we can talk about how to use it? Oh, yes, absolutely. Okay. So the um, the C in uh, is the is the C in disc D I S C, and that C is stands for conscientiousness. It's sort of the fourth one I would have talked about. So let's start at the D, which is above that on the on the chart um, in the top left quadrant is the D. The D stands for dominance. Now the dominant personality type we all know who they are, right? These are your directors. They're very fast-paced and outgoing. They're also very questioning and skeptical, which they have in common with the C's there. Um, But they like a good challenge, but they are also very direct and super action-oriented. They love to get things done. So their goal is to um, keep working hard at it. They will leap over the excuse me, they will leap over the obstacles. They're great problem solvers. They do put their heads together with the C's a lot for problem solving, but they make uh, decisions much quicker than the C's make decisions. Like they want to get things done. So they are always going fast. And sometimes they step on people's toes, right? They do um, sometimes don't think about the person behind whatever that's just been delivered. <laughs> just look at the product. They look at the tasks and they don't think as much about the people. All right. So then let's move over. So that's the D, um, dominant, very direct. Then over to the right top part of this map quadrant is the I. We call the I the influencer. And what they share in common with the D's is they are super action-oriented. They do go very quickly, but they are on the warm and and friendly and uh, warm and accepting side of the house. So they're fast-paced and outgoing and very warm and accepting. They like people. These are your people people, right, Mm -hmm. as opposed to your project people. Mm -hmm. And the people people, they have a lot of enthusiasm. They see the best in other people. They get the right members of the team on board. They are the cheerleaders. You know, let's go. We're going to do this, blah, blah, blah. And they're um, excited about life and about new projects and about new startings, things that are um, kicking off, especially when the project kicks off. And they also like collaboration because they love working with people. So to be putting somebody who is an I in a cubicle and just say, work on this all day long and get it right. Oh my God, that would be Mm. like a living hell. (laughs) 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 So instead you want to get your eyes planning the party or the speech or something that is working with people and in in an exciting, any kind of exciting way. All right. So then we're going to go down the chart to the last quadrant, which is also on the warm and accepting side, but more the cautious and reflective side. And these are your S. This is the S on the disc, and it stands for steadiness. The steadiness um, personality type is very loyal. They're very warm, um, supportive people. They are fantastic listeners. They also like collaboration. They want to work with people, and that's what they share with the I. Um, but the motivation that they share with the C is stable. They want a stable environment. And again, they're super supportive. So they they don't like chaos. Um, they're very uh, planned and they do get a lot of work done, but they want harmony. So they want to please all the people all the time, which we know we can't really do. Now, you might be on the line in between C and S, right? Because we all have times, like there are times even as an I, I, I'm very quality conscious and I also can be very questioning and skeptical depending on what it is, right, that I'm working on. So we have the tendency to have a little bit of all those styles in us. Absolutely we do, but we, we tend to also rely on one as sort of our, uh, a preference. 
simple preference. Um, but yeah, uh, extroverted people are usually the D's and the I's and the introverted are the C's and the S's, but you might be between an S and an I, or you might be between a D and a C. So there's, there's lots of, um, no, it's not meant to pigeonhole anybody, but it's meant to understand. Mm-hmm. So you can see how, um, but first let me ask you, do you have any questions? You know, I, I so I know I'm a C. I think I'm a little bit of a I and an S as well, because being a speaker, I love speaking. I love talking to people, but then on the contrary to that, I'm an introvert. So I like being alone and I like spending time um, just decompressing and not being in a group of people. Yes. So that's how you get your energy. You get renewed energy by going within. Whereas I get renewed energy by going out dancing Mm, (laughs) or, you know, you know, being with people, talking in a group, that sort of thing. That's where I get my energy from the external world. You get your energy from the internal world. Mm -hmm. However, I also, you know, go within all, all the time in the morning, I have a practice where I wake up and first thing I do is meditate for 20 minutes because I need to, I need to get connected and grounded and centered within myself. It's just a practice that has helped me so much to calm my monkey mind brain and to, um, you know, give myself a little pep talk once in a while to do the things that get me out of my comfort zone, that sort of thing. But honestly, as I, as I age and mature as well, I realized you know, at the end of the day, I've been coaching all day, or I've been speaking or doing podcast interviews. I don't want to talk to anybody. <laughs> don't call me at the end of the day. I know how but that when is. I was younger, I felt like I could talk forever. But because you're an expert in what you do, Trina, you can talk on that topic and get, you know, have a lot of energy for it when you're doing it. But um, you probably do it just in a different way, more slowly and methodically and conscientiously. Does that make sense? It does. It really does. But you very well could have a secondary style of an S. Hmm. Yeah. And, and, and have some I as well. We have all of them in us. And I'm sure there are times too, where you can pop up into the D and be very directorial when you need to be right. Mm -hmm. You, You just have to take control and get things done. Right. Right. Yeah, exactly. And this is very fascinating because until I took the assessment that I took, I didn't know, I didn't understand. But then like you're explaining this to me, the person who was explaining it, I was like, oh, that's, yeah, that's me. That's, and it was all, it was almost uh, scary to have someone telling you that because you're like, yeah, that's me. Yep. Yep. That's exactly how I feel or what I do or how I react to things. So it's, it's very, um, it's very interesting how accurate um, those assessments are because you wouldn't think you were like, Oh, that's just a general assessment. But then when it comes back and you're like, Oh, it actually narrowed it down to how I am. It's very, uh, it's very interesting that way. You know, it's almost a little humbling, isn't it? It's like, yeah. oh, I'm really not so unique after all. <laughs> there are billions of people in this world that are that yes. are just like me. But, you know, we all are a little different because we have these unique pasts. And the other thing that is very different about uh, you and me, even if we were the same personality type, we might have different values. Right. We have different belief systems. We have different attitudes, right, about certain things. And we certainly have different experiences and skill sets and competencies, depending on what we were taught. So personality certainly isn't everything. But in leadership, it is really key to be able to use your personality, in my opinion, to use your personality to influence other people instead of just using your authority. I'm your boss. Just do it. That's what we do when we're mothers and we want our kid to do something right? <laughs> because right. I said so. But when you're a leader, you want people to think you care about them mm-hmm. and you understand them and you empathize when they're going through a tough time and that you'll listen 
to their ideas right. and that you will take their ideas into consideration when you're making decisions. And all of those, all of those qualities, you can use your personality mm-hmm. to really connect with people. But too often we think, well, you know, caring has no place in the workplace. And that's not true anymore, right? right? It used to be just about getting things done. But now we know that people are what get things done. Mm -hmm. And if you're losing your people because you got bad bosses, unfortunately, that's that's what's in the headlines all the times now, all the time about people leaving because of it. And, you know, and that's, um, that's very true. So how would someone who is in that situation where you have a bad boss, um, whether you're the employer or you're the employee of this bad boss, and you're like, okay, this person really needs to know what they're doing wrong. And how do you, how do you give this person this assessment? Or is it even worth it? Will that person take this assessment and then actually look at it and really say, okay, this is where I change. What has been your experience? Or do you just say, you know what? Because I, so I think when people are promoted to leadership, a lot of times is because, oh, well, he was a good widget counter. So now we're going to, you know, promote him to head widget counter. And that doesn't necessarily mean that you're a good leader. So when you get situations like that, where you see people in leadership that haven't gotten properly trained or not really leaders, is this something that you should do this assessment? What is your take and what have you seen? Oh yeah, no, you're absolutely right. It happens all the time, right? We, even if it's in manufacturing, we have people that are producing and they're great on this machine. And then they start mentoring other people or teaching them how to use the machine. And pretty soon they're the team leader and now they're the supervisor and they have no people skills, right? They just had the machine skills. And the same with um, managers in the in the workplace as well. So every, I don't care what trade you're in, like uh, you know, finance or hospital administration or you know, m- medical or corporate retail. It doesn't really matter. A leadership is leadership anywhere you go. And the first thing I would ask if I'm getting promoted into leadership is, you know, what training do you have for me? But secondly, is any HR department or organization should send any new manager into some sort of either give them the assessment or send them into some sort of training program. This is what I've been doing for the last um, years. I know you do leadership training as well, right? We teach these people and they're even some of them. I always ask when we're going around and introducing ourselves, how long have you been in your role? Some of them three months, some of them haven't even gotten into the role yet. Others say 20 years, 25 years. And then I think, oh man, they could probably teach this class. And then after the class, I inevitably get them coming up to me and saying, oh my God, I wish I knew this 15 years ago or 20 years ago, you know? So it happens that there's always room for growth. And here's the problem. People don't have a lot of time. They just, all they do is they put out the next fire. They don't have, and they don't even have the wherewithal, the the understanding that, oh, I'm supposed to be working on myself. Well, how do I do that? You need somebody to help you to say, this is what you should be working on without having to wait for your one year, you know, performance review that says, oh, you, you know, you're not a very good listener. That's just stupid. (laughs) I I don't know if you could know how I feel about performance reviews after 30 years in corporate. (laughs) Oh, I can, I can tell you how I feel about them. (laughs) They do not work. They do not work. So what I suggest is that if you are working for a toxic boss or some somebody that doesn't value you or appreciate you or any of those things, that number one, you take a look at, um, can you get that validation in other ways? Can, you know, is it okay for you? Because I'll tell you, if you're a D, uh, you don't really care. Right. Whatever, let him do whatever he wants. I don't mm-hmm. really care. If you're an I, you might continue to try to persuade or an S, persuade that boss that you're really a good worker and you're constantly mm-hmm. being disappointed because they're always letting you down, right? right. And in the end, um, you need to decide if you can stay in a place like that, that doesn't appreciate you, that doesn't 
see your value that doesn't give you the recognition that you deserve to have in a job. A lot of times I ask managers, why don't we recognize? Why don't we tell people that they're doing a good job? Mm -hmm. And the answer that I hear the most is, well, that's what I'm paying them to do. And it's like, yeah, but are you human? (laughs) (laughs) Don't you like to hear that you're doing a good job once in a while? Unfortunately, in leadership, you don't often get people telling you, you're a great boss. I really appreciate you. Unless you're a really great boss. When you're a really great boss, people do tell you that. I tell you, I've had a lot of bosses in my day and I will tell them, you know what? I really enjoy working for you. This is awesome. Thank you so much. And then even when they do listen to me and they don't take my advice, I'm okay because I know that I got my my voice was heard, that I was able to at least share. Now I'm willing to go along with whatever decision you make because you shared it, because you listened to me. Right. And and you so, know, and that makes a difference when you are an employee, when you not only have a good boss, but like you said, when you're listened to, when you're made to feel like you're valued, but when you have that boss who um the person who doesn't doesn't understand why repeated you got employees repeatedly, you know, quitting, you know, one after the other. They're just going, like you say, oh, let them go. I don't care. Instead of right. saying, oh, what's what's wrong? Because we've all heard that saying people don't leave positions. They leave the managers. Right. That's right. And what what do you do? How do you help people like that? Because that's a major problem. And nine times out of 10, the organization doesn't, you know, relate that that's the problem. They think, oh, well, that person just left because they wanted more money or they don't like to. Nine times out of 10, people are not leaving for more money. They're leaving because they want peace of mind. That's right. Yep. The quality of life. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And they think it's about the money, but it's not. Well, at least after the age of 40, it's not usually about the money. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Under the age of 40, there's different goals, right? You're trying to get your salary up. Um, Okay, so I would say two things. Number one is when I work with people, because I do this, I have a, uh, I actually have a program called Recovery at Work. Mm -hmm. And I help people to understand, you know, what it is that they really want. Number one, how do you define that? What's holding them back in their energy pattern, like, and and, uh, subconsciously, what's holding them back? So we look at their beliefs, Um, some things that might've happened, traumatic things that might've happened in past jobs or even in life, and then um, getting rid of that, right? And so forgiving people that might've tried to hold you back and all of that, and look at what you're really responsible for, and then decide those all going through that whole process really helps you to decide, you know what? I don't care what they do. I love this job. I like the people I'm working with. Yeah, I'll deal with the boss, but it's not that big of a deal. I don't need his or her approval anymore. So you make this decision that to give approval to yourself. And when you stop looking for it from the, you know, it's like going to get water from the dry well and they don't have it to give to you, you stop. But if you decide also that, you know what, this isn't right. I have so many skills that I really could be using. I can go somewhere else then I applaud them. I help them to get that next assignment. And I'll tell you, it just happened with one of my clients. And he went through my program and decided he was a for 17 years, a director at a Fortune 100 company. And he started putting some feelers out. And within six months, he went through the whole process, got an interview, got the job. He got a two grade level promotion on another an extra hundred and thirty thousand dollar increase in his salary and uh 25 people whereas before he had two and a two grade level promotion so he's a senior vice president for another company and now he is in this other company let's see what we we've already typed all of his people we're helping him to build relationships with each of them and he is an sc right on the line And I'll tell you, I am so proud. I love to see the growth of people when they find out 
who they really are mm-hmm. and they own that and then they move forward with their with the best foot forward. A lot of it has to do with emotional intelligence too and helping to stretch your mindsets into what's not comfortable for you so that you can relate to everybody and you know and whatnot. Um, but in the end, I say if it's toxic, because there's sometimes, you know, Trina, that it's not just understanding somebody's personality type. Because right. sometimes people have personality disorders mm. and narcissism is not an easy thing to live with. Yeah. Oh my right? goodness. That's yeah. yeah. You can get that in the workplace and in your personal life. Oh yeah. Yeah. And in your personal life, it's harder because sometimes you can't get away from them in your, in your life. You can, in your work, you can. And so I say, you know, where we do have choices, where we can change our situations do what you can to change, like find the courage, girl, mm-hmm. and go for it. You know, that's, mm-hmm. I always say, don't let just like, oh, it's hard. Like get rid of those excuses. And you know, cause you're a coach too, right? We, mm-hmm. so we have so many darn excuses for wh- why we're afraid to move forward. But the truth is you can change any situation you have in your life and put boundaries on those situations. Mm, that, that is the key. You can change and then you need boundaries. And that was something yeah. that took me a while to learn because, because you know, it's one of those things when you think about boundaries, you think about um, for other people, um, but you really need your own boundaries, which is, okay, these are my non-negotiables. This is what I'm not going to settle for. This is what I'm looking for. You know, you that's boundary. And it took me a long time to realize that for, for myself to help know my boundaries, not saying, oh, that's a boundary with another person, but actually knowing my own boundaries. That's right. Yeah. You don't want to be um, breaking contracts with yourself, Mm. right? Like, and it's hard. And especially for C's and S's, Mm -hmm. (laughs) it's hard to say no. When somebody comes at you with the, oh, you do this. And it's like, you have to say no sometimes. And when you do, when we, we do learn how to say no, because it's really hard for me to, it's, it's not just the S's and mm-hmm. C's, the I's have a hard time too, because, you know, it's just hard, especially if you respect the person, but, but even, sometimes even more so if you're afraid of the person, it's mm. hard to say no, because you don't know what you're going to expect. You don't want to cause an upset, you blah, blah, blah. We make up these, I call them rules. They're bullshit rules. They're rules. <laughs> <laughs> we have them and we have to recognize them and say no. So then if you if you know that about yourself, I know what my values are and I'm not going to cross this line. Mm-hmm. Then when it comes right down to it, and if somebody, you know, it's any it could be, it could relate to anything. Right. Like I really want this training job, but if they lowball me, I'm going to say no. Right. Because I don't want to undersell myself or undervalue myself. And that's the same with doing favors for people or especially when you've told them over and over, please don't do this to me. And they continue to do it because you're just training them to treat you the way that right. you're being treated. And then we think we're victims. <laughs> yeah. 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 And then so many of us go off into that victim mentality for the rest of our lives. Oh, woe is me. And then you think yeah. about, well, maybe I help facilitate this, you know? Well, yeah, we do definitely train people to treat us the way we think we should be treated. So we have to start with ourselves. We have to treat ourselves really, really good first, mm-hmm. have compassion with ourselves. But it's like you said, you know, um, I, I only know a little bit about you and your story, but from what I know, you were not taught boundaries. Right. You you learned really bad boundaries Mm -hmm. from somebody who abused the power that they had. And in the, in the end, you know, then you're constantly looking for other people to give you what you didn't get right Right. growing up. And then you set yourself up with people who continue to treat you that way. Mm -hmm. Oh, it's just a vicious circle and cycle. So until you really see the pattern and break it, and start saying no and setting those boundaries, uh, people are going to continue to treat you like that. And mm-hmm. it's not, I don't mean you specifically, but just generally. Right. Yeah. So before we get into our questions, so how would somebody, because you mentioned um, the emotional intelligence and being self-aware, 
How would somebody go about knowing how to do that? Well, again, you know, that's that's the stuff that books are made of and coaches are made of and assessments are made of because it's not an easy answer. Um, I but I could tell you that if you if you come and take one of those assessments with me, then you'll get a 20 page report that tells you, well, here's the three mindsets that you're probably very comfortable with. And here's the five that you could work on. So let's pick one of those. So for um, for you, I see you've already done a lot of your work, which is a great thing because you've done so much work on yourself. Um, but I'm going to but for a, a regular C, like an unevolved um, person who's a C and is just learning, they're going to be super comfortable in objectivity and um, they're going to be comfortable in they're going to be comfortable in being resolute and stick because they're experts. They know they're going to stick to their guns. This is the way it should be. This is right. You know, they, they have that understanding, standing their ground um, in face of opposition. And they also are very composed. We're talking about emotional mindsets, intelligent mindsets. So resolute and objective and composed, even in the face, you know, they reflect before acting Mm-hmm. And they moderate their responses, uh, even under stress, and they exercise diplomacy. They're always very tactful, very um, professional, right? Then you have like your eyes, like me. I'm like, what? What do you think? You're right. You know, <laughs> no filter sometimes, you know? And, but on, so what I'm really comfortable with is being dynamic initiating action on my ideas and influencing people and projecting like a strong social presence, outgoing, establishing and maintaining my relationships. I'm very outgoing and empathizing. So uh, reaching out with compassion, seeking to understand people's emotional needs and struggles. Like that's what I'm really good at, but it's harder for me to be resolute and objective and composed. And it's probably harder for you to be dynamic and outgoing and empathizing, right? So when we want to stretch to those goals, then there's certain, you know, steps that you have to take. And one of the, um, the, just to let you know, the other ones that we uh, didn't mention are self-assured, which is a D, that's a D trait, resolute, self-assured, and dynamic are the D, easy to fall back mindsets. And the S is composed, receptive, and empathizing. And so you can see that if somebody's feeling very mm-hmm. self-assured, it's going to be hard for them to be receptive, which is on the other side of the yeah. house. Yeah. And somebody who's really always receptive, well, sometimes don't we want them to just step up and be right. self-assured and say no? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so you do have to get out of your comfort zone and that's the hard part. But when you know what they are and you know where you want to go, then your coach gives you homework assignments mm-hmm. <laughs> and you practice. Yeah. Right. And you right. practice at work because that's the best place to do the uncomfortable thing because you're still it's just a great place to practice because you're always working with people and they don't really know what's going on in your mind. Only you do. Mm-hmm. Oh, but when you so suddenly good. start acting different at home, that's a little harder because then people will call you. What are you being so receptive for? You know, <laughs> <laughs> what do you suddenly stand in your ground? You know, it's kind of funny because people will call you on it and it's harder because you're a cog in a wheel that every yeah. the system is working. Even if it's dysfunctional, it's working. Right. right. But at work, and that's why, you know, it's good to change jobs once in a while, because then when you change jobs, you can step into your new identity and be anybody you want. Right. And nobody knows. Nobody. That's it. It's a totally yeah. new beginning. <laughs> yeah. Which oh. is really the beauty of like working for a large company, because you can move over and up and over and up and around and, and yeah. start like a new job every, you know, every couple of years, which is really fun. Yeah. All right. We're going to get into questions. So we're going to learn a little bit more about you. (laughs) Who or what motivates you? 
Oh my goodness. My, uh, so many things motivate me, but I absolutely love to, to have fun. So joy is one of my biggest motivators. If I think it's going to be fun, I am in. If it's dancing or going out on the motorcycle or playing with the children. Yeah, I'm, I'm all for it. What demotivates you? Ah, victims mm-hmm. and the victim mentality. I, I really don't like it when people don't take responsibility, but they blame other people. That's very demotivating to me. When was a time that something was said or done to hurt you, but it worked out for your good? Oh, I think we learned so much by our adversity and, you know, that it really does plant in you either the desire to step up and not allow that to happen anymore and really own again, who you are because nobody can really hurt you without your permission. Wow. What is your fear? Um, sales. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I think about my business and it's, I, I have such great relationships, but it's hard asking people for money sometimes. Yeah. yeah. It's rejection. So really the underlying fear there is rejection. Right. Is there a time when you wish you had done something that you didn't? Oh, yes. Except for now I'm, I'm old enough to have rectified a lot of those things. I used to answer that question and say, yeah, I'm really sorry. I never went to school and got my degree. And then I went to school and got my degree. Then I said, oh, I'm really sorry. I never did something cool, like right across the country on a motorcycle. And then I just made it happen in the last couple of years. So, you know, there's, I don't have too many regrets right now. So, okay. So how would you answer this question? Is there a time when you wish you had not done something? Well, again, because I believe that everything happens for my highest good. I think everything happens for my husband. So I could say something like, oh, I wish I didn't do this or that when I was a kid. Like, you know, um, like that time I snuck out the bedroom window in the middle of the night and a really bad thing happened to me at the party. You know, uh, I regretted that for a long time. But now I know I know so much more about who I am and I've forgiven myself for doing that. So I have forgiven myself for a lot of mistakes that I've Mm -hmm. made, but I've made a lot of mistakes. I really have. What is your definition of success? Happiness. You know, I just think that if you are happy with who you are and, you know, what you, who you've surrounded yourself with and what you do. And I found my purpose. Those are all my things. You know, I have this awesome family, great network of friends. I've written a book and I, I just love my clients. I love training and uh, my podcast. That's been so much fun. So I just think all of that means success. It's not about the money or the trappings. It's about the experiences and the happiness. How do you recharge? Well, it's different now that I'm older. I recharge by sitting on the couch and watching a movie and eat popcorn. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Or, you know, yeah, that's what I do. What are you awesome at? Oh, talking to people and explaining things. I'm awesome storyteller, I think, sometimes. And uh, you know what my superpower is? Noticing what your best qualities are. Ah, that's a good superpower. What legacy do you want to leave? Oh, I think just living life full out and trying as much as you can to live up to your potential. I want my potential to be fulfilled before I leave the planet. That will be my legacy. Wow. Give the listeners one motivational takeaway. You have to go within and develop yourself first before you can really be inspiring to other people. And when you mine that beauty that is in there, you are going to, you can really be unstoppable in life and really make an awesome blessing of it. And it's uh, it's such a fun adventure. I would love for people to also go to my website. (laughs) 
<laughs> and take the quiz and find out what animal best represents your leadership style. Wow. And so when you find out this animal, why is it a certain animal that represents the style? What does that mean? What does that signify? You know, that's just Maureen trying to have fun. Okay. But it is the disc style, but instead of, you know, doing it the C way, which is calling it what it is, I thought, I thought, no, people are going to be more interested to find out what animal best represents your style. So I'll tell you what they are. So the D is represented by the wolf. The wolf is always going after what it wants, but it's for the betterment of the pack. Mm -hmm. And the I is best represented by the dolphin, the chatty, you know, family oriented, fun, loving dolphin uh, leader. The S is represented by the St. Bernard. The St. Bernard is loyal and friendly and rescues you and stays with you until the, you know, until you don't need him anymore. And then the, the uh, C is represented by the beaver leader who is an engineer and makes this beautiful home and ecosystem and precision and accuracy so that everybody can thrive. Oh, wow. Maureen, give the listeners your website, tell them um, how they can listen to your podcast. And if they want to work with you, tell us all of that. Thank you. My website is EmergeLeadershipAcademy.com. So there's three words all put together, EmergeLeadershipAcademy.com. And on there, you can find everything about me. Uh, I do have a digital course called Recovery at Work. It's an eight-module, eight-week course that will really help you figure out whether you should stay or whether you should go. (laughs) The second is uh, my podcast, and that is Emerge, Evolve, Lead podcast. It's for people in recovery, and that doesn't just mean drugs and alcohol. It means recovery in life, recovery from any addiction that you might have had and how to step up into leadership using the skills that you learned in your recovery. And the third is my personality at work courses. I do do training both in person and online. And uh, yeah, you can find out more by going and that's the disc too. So I also offer uh, a course, professional coaching, leadership coaching and training. And it's just a really fun way to say, Learn, 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 learn about yourself. <laughs> wow. Thanks. Well, great. Thank you, Maureen, for being on Trina Talk. I enjoyed our second conversation as well as our first one. So uh, thank you for going through the personality traits. It's, it was very, uh, very interesting. So thank you so much. Thank you. And I hope everybody takes the time to go out and find out a little bit more about themselves. But thank you for having me, Trina. I really appreciated you. I want to thank my guests for being on the show and I want to thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed the show and don't forget to tune in next week.